everyone, and welcome to the Licensing Podcast. Our guest today helped to visualize the world of Harry Potter. He's worked on and done art direction for consumer product, theme park, animation, and so many other assets in the past. He's also worked and learned from some of the greatest and most visionary artists in animation. We had a great discussion about IP from an artist's perspective. I know I had a great time, and I hope you do too. Please help me in welcoming Fred Bode. How are you doing today, Fred? Good. How are you, Mark? It's a pleasure to be uh, talking to you today. I'm very well, thank you, and I'm glad that you could make it. I really do appreciate it. So, yeah, tell, let's just hop right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Uh, I think at the very crux of everything I do, I, um, I tell stories through product and imagery that, uh, that hopefully makes people smile, connects on, a, on an emotional level, and uh, you know, just really try to drive home and bring home the essence of what makes the different IPs in the world special to people. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what some of those products uh, are, what you've worked on in the past? Well, over a 20-plus year career in four or five different studios, I've uh, had the pleasure, the opportunity, if you will, to uh, work on 30 or 40 of the world's most recognizable IPs. And that's everything from Harry Potter to Batman to film properties, to cartoon shows, to you name it. I've pretty much touched it at some point. Um, started out doing actually product design and character art for the different studios and um, just kind of progressed from there in the themed entertainment and all things creative. Very cool. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your journey uh, in the licensing business, working with these IPs, where did you start? I actually started many years ago. Well, I had to back up a little bit. I had a, um, a design studio of my own for a number of years, and I kind of dabbled in the IP world here and there. But I had an opportunity at one point to go to work for Warner Brothers, for at the time was known as their studio stores, and I came on board as a character artist, developing the imagery, designing the snow domes and the coffee cups and all of the merchandise that you would have seen in all of those different locations. And it just kind of progressed from there. The more I got into it, um, the different and varied projects would come my way in terms of not just creating great imagery, but figuring out the matrix and the mathematics of how things get made and why they get made for a price point and on a time frame. And it really gave me a great, almost a grad school education in um, consumer products, if you will. Why we did what we did, and it wasn't—it was a little bit more than just a great piece of imagery. So it was more. It uh, kind of segued into a bit of product development. Yeah, you start when you when you start out doing character art, you're you're actually telling a story. Um, Whereas a film director or an animator may have multiple, multiple frames to tell a story, uh, we were charged with doing it with one image. 
multiple characters, single characters to convey the same exact emotional connection uh, that filmmakers do with multiple imagery, but in a one. And that lends itself very neatly to developing product that then goes on the shelves, whether it's a collectible, whether it's a coffee cup, whether it's a backpack, that imagery still resonates. And so it kind of, it kind of transitioned into that. I have a, a bit of a manufacturing background. Many years ago, I was in aerospace many, many years ago. So I'm very comfortable with how things get put together. And I can speak with an engineer. I can speak with um, a developer. I can speak with a mold maker. I'm very comfortable with that. And it gave me a really solid background, if you will, into the manufacturing side of what we do. And that allowed me to create imagery that not only was on point in terms of storytelling and, and connecting emotionally, but something that could be made. And that was really, really important. That is incredible. And, you know, you really brought up a good point. It, and I just want to interject. It's almost like you are taking that character and you're developing that story. And say you're developing a toy or something, you're actually giving a child the ability to continue that story on by themselves with that character. You're absolutely correct. If I if I do my job right, um, they live and breathe through that little piece of character, that toy, that action figure that I helped put on the shelf. And at the end of the day, that's what it's really all about, connecting. Um, these IPs are, they're, they're precious for a reason. And that's because people at some point in their lives, um, they, they, it touched them in some way, whether it was emotional, any number of different ways um, an IP can make an impact on someone's life. And it was truly my job to create imagery and eventually product that carried that through and, and, and resonated in the same way or as close as we could possibly get it on a shelf. That's absolutely it. Yeah. Outstanding. It's, it's truly a worthwhile endeavor when you really think about it. Um, so did plan to end up doing what you do? I mean, working with these brands when you first started as a designer? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, the good Lord just had me raise my sail and uh, the wind kind of took me in that direction. It was an opportunity at the time to go to work for a major motion picture studio um, and I had grown up with all of the characters and the idea of actually participating and bringing them to life was an opportunity I just could not turn down. There's very few people on this planet who get to do what I've been able to do. And when the opportunity presented itself, I just jumped at it. Outstanding. Do you have a favorite story? regarding a license or IP that you've worked with, anything that... The one that really is a highlight for me is uh, my involvement in bringing the Harry Potter literary program to the studio, to the, to the consumer products world of the studio. I, um, when Warner Brothers uh, acquired the rights to the books, 
there were a number of different versions of Harry Potter out in the world, and they needed a unified, if you will, a, a, a standard at which to base everything in consumer products going forward. And I was asked to participate in a, um, a contest, if you will, amongst all the employees and amongst people worldwide, actually, to read the book and to just draw what I saw, to, to, to feel the imagery come off the page, if you will. And so I was, um, I read the book, uh, enjoyed it. My, my kids thought I was pretty special at that point because Harry Potter was a worldwide phenomenon way back in the beginning. And I just kind of drew what I saw, drew what I felt. And um, I did an image, images of Harry, Hermione, Ron, Dumbledore, Snape, Hagrid, I think Malfoy. And then I did imagery of what I saw as the sorting hat, the Nimbus 2000, Hogwarts, if you will. And I turned. Oh, sorry. Uh, was this before the movie was released, or was oh, this? Oh, yes. It's, it was right when Warner Brothers acquired the rights. So that would be, I guess, uh, correct my date, ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. Oh wow! So I mean, a lot of the um, art direction probably came from 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 your initial concepts. The initial drawings I did were the starting point for all consumer products going forward. Um, and how that affected the film, I can't help but think there was some sort of influence to, to what they saw in the film. Um, I ended up being chosen by the studio as the one closest to what the producers thought Miss um, Rawlings would, would be receptive to. And the very next thing I know... I'm on a plane to London. I never had a passport before, and I'm sitting with J.K. Rowling and all my drawings in front of 30 people in a conference room, and she liked what she saw. <laughs> That's absolutely I, amazing. Yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. She actually did some drawings for me. She signed some books for my kids. She was a very wonderful woman. And, um, you know, we tweaked them a little bit, a little bit of back and forth. But the, the 99% of what I did, she was very receptive to. And after we left that meeting, uh, Consumer Products was off and running. Very interesting. Hmm. Great story. Thank you so much. Um, so how have you seen the industry? Let's just take a segment because you've had your fingers in so many parts of the industry. But let's uh, focus on the theme park licensing. For a second, how have you seen the industry grow since you started? Because I mean, this, it seems to be accelerating a lot. Well, yeah, and and part of it I think is people want a tangible experience; they want to immerse themselves into the world, um, as opposed to just having a, a piece of product or an image on a T-shirt. And so, um. The theme park industry is growing leaps and bounds in terms of different studios finding they have IP in these vast vaults and libraries and recognizing that those connect and they're, they're a valuable asset. Um, even though they were filmed 30 years ago or 20 years ago, they're still a very valuable asset that people connect to. So there seems to be... I don't want to say a gold rush, but a rush, if you will, to expand on those libraries and deliver those IPs in a way that people can remember and connect with and immerse themselves in 
all over the world is a very good explanation of what I've seen is just this focus on experience, trying to bring out the kid in everybody. And I think that it seems to be a very great way to further monetize these IP. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, I, I worked for Disney for a time and spent a lot of times in the park. And the one thing you notice, um, is the look on people's faces when they're immersed in those experiences. It really, it's almost like a safe place for them. They can go back and remember fond memories, a great time with mom and dad, relive childhood memories. And on top of that, it also gives them uh, an opportunity, if you will, to introduce those feelings through these different IPs and experiences to the next generation, their kids, their cousins, their grandchildren, if you will. And theme parks, I kind of look at, if you will, as a safe place. It's it's almost like a, a cloistered little world where you can be what you want to be. You can be a kid, you can be an adult, you can laugh, you can cry, you can do whatever you want to do. And people, I really believe, my personal opinion, is they need that kind of visceral experience. And it's a great way to experience it. Truly is. Um, so you've worked with a lot of IP in your time. What right. would you consider the most fun and interesting thing about working with that IP? Oh, that's that's kind of a multiple question. I guess the most fun about working with an IP is to be, to be true to an IP whether it's Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse or Pink Panther, whoever it happens to be, you have to, as an artist and a creator, and to deliver on the experience, you have to really immerse yourself in that world. Um, I believe Bugs Bunny is alive. <laughs> so does it mean. I believe all these characters are alive. And you have to go there to really drill down and find those, those diamonds in the story. You really, those animators, when they did all of those cartoons all those years ago, they put their heart and soul into it. And we used to look at ourselves as gatekeepers to that, that enthusiasm and that integrity for their storytelling. And so before we would work on anything, we would completely immerse ourselves. Um, what would Winnie the Pooh do in this situation? What is, what is the inside of Bugs Bunny's house look like? And we were free to explore those possibilities. And it's I believe psychological. <laughs> oh, it is totally psychological. And the deeper you go, you find yourself being emotionally connected. And when you're emotionally connected, there's there's an upside and a downside to that. That the upside is that you truly tell the story in its deepest form. You really, it's not a subsurface exercise. You're, you're doing more than drawing imagery or creating product. You're, you're really drilling down, would Bugs Bunny drink out of this coffee cup? And what would he put in it? The, the downside to that is sometimes we can get caught up in the details. And sometimes <laughs> those details you know, are important to us and not necessarily important to the storytelling. So it's a bit of a balance. And then you throw in the manufacturing considerations. I would love to put every hair I possibly could on Sylvester the cat, but we can't afford to do it that way. So it's it's a, it's a series of compromises, um, but 
but you have to be willing to to just immerse yourself in whatever that IP is and be willing to fall in love with it and embrace it and and live with it. Um, You're creating imagery that people are going to see and remember and live with. So it behooves you to do your homework and to have as much passion for what you're working on as you expect someone who's viewing it or someone who's purchasing a product to have when they look at what you created. The best side of it all is I've been privileged to work with some of the most talented, greatest storytellers on planet Earth um, in terms of talent and passion. Um, I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting and sitting with Chuck Jones. I've had the pleasure of meeting with Iwo Takamoto, who created the Jetsons and Scooby-Doo. Um, I've, I've taken drawing classes from these people. I've, I've been able to see these IPs, these characters, these stories through some of the original eyes. And that is, that is something, it's priceless. I, I, I don't even know how to describe the, the feeling when you're sitting next to someone like Iwo and he's explaining to you why Scooby-Doo does what Scooby does. And you're being charged with carrying that torch onward. And he's trusting you. And it's a great, great deal of responsibility. It's humbling. And it's exciting as all get out on top of it all. Incredible. It really helps to be immersed in that world and know what you know what the outcome is or at least go into it understanding that you want to stay as true to that character as possible and having that kind of pedigree having the the ability to speak with the creators to speak with the people that were there at the advent of these characters be almost spiritual to kind of just interact with that person and then with the character and then continue it on and help that character evolve in a way it really is. It's it's almost zen-like. I I recall times when I was creating Harry Potter artwork for the different style guides, and we would send them off to Leavesden in London to be reviewed by the producer and J.K. And I would get comments back where they would literally count the eyelashes mm-hmm. on Daniel Radcliffe's eyelids, and and tell me when I was off, and. It's maddening, but it's also humbling at the same time. It it reminds you truly what it is you're you're doing. You're carrying this flame. You're taking someone's golden dream that has resonated with, I would guess, tens of millions of people globally, and you're you're carrying it on. You're moving it forward, and it was a very humbling experience to 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 be a part of that process, to see it through their eyes, to, to understand that at his advanced age, Chuck Jones was still passionate about drawing Daffy Duck and how Ewo, he could almost smell the dog when he drew Scooby-Doo. It's, it's a really, really, really humbling experience. Very cool. So what do you think is the driving force behind why people gravitate 
towards this IP, these characters, uh, products like those provided by Warner Brothers or Disney or Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network? I, I really feel it's it goes back to that emotional connection. For, for some reason, there's a piece of whatever it is we create that touches a nerve. And it, it, as I said before, it can take you back to an early time in your childhood. It can just resonate with, uh, I don't know, a, a cuddliness that makes you feel safe and warm that's, that you've never experienced before. It could be a sense of whimsy and playfulness. It could be a sense of wackiness. That's the $64,000 question, what that one thing is. But at its genesis, it's the IPs touch people. And right now, there's a massive influx of new content in the world through, through any number of sources, from your telephone to the TV to the movie screen. And they're all fighting to do the same exact thing, make a connection, make, make a, an impact, if you will, on someone's heart. I remember a time I did some work with Pixar and I was privileged to, through my, my Disney association, and I was privileged to go to Pixar a number of times and liter, literally sitting there and letting them pitch us the story about a little orange and white fish that gets lost and spends the entire film trying to find his way back and the friendships he makes and the insecurities he has and this is all just by andrew stanton on stage telling us the story and i remember looking around the room and there were 300 people completely wrapped in the story undivided attention and what that taught me is the story you can have the greatest imagery on planet Earth. You can have wonderful drawings. You can have bad drawings. None of it means anything if you don't start with a great story first. And somehow, some way, some of the older IPs and some of the newer ones, like the Pixar stuff, they're connecting with story. And whether it's a past story, a new story, some sort of emotional touch point is being hit. And so I, I tell people all the time, it's what we do with imagery is incredibly important and it's 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 almost it's almost royal to sit and be able to shepherd these these different ips all the way through into the future but if you don't start with a good story you really don't have anything to work off of so it's tough out there everybody trying to tell a story that connects. And as you and I both know, throughout the history of this business, there's, there's really only a handful that have done, done it correctly. It's just strange. When you were telling me that story, for some reason, I got a picture in my head of, um, of the first cartoon of Mickey Mouse, the Steamboat cartoon. Right. Steamboat Willie. Uh, Steamboat Willie. And for some reason, I, I'm trying to think, and there was, I don't know what the story was, but that told the story. And it's just strange that, that, that Mickey Mouse chugging down the river in that steamboat, it, it, there was a story there. And there was, there was more to that story. And I, it just makes me think how much went in, how much forethought went into creating that short uh, film 
of a mouse chugging down a river in a steamboat and and the amount of creativity that had to go into that back what that must have been what the 30s yeah probably yeah yeah so it's it's incredible and soul searching and hair pulling and back and forth and what do i want them to do but at the end of the day they created this sense with that one scene you're describing of a carefree fun let your troubles go away kind of a narrative and just the way they did it in that one little snippet of him chugging down the river in that boat, uh, it touched people for a moment in their lives. There were no bills. There were no sicknesses. There were no wars. There was just that imagery and the happiness and the carefreeness that it showed. And people reacted and responded. Outstanding. Um. So, uh, starting to wrap up now, what is the favorite property that you've worked on? Oh, well, my love, my heart, I love them all. I love them all. And there's a fond place in my heart for Lilo and Stitch. I love the Toy Story properties. I, but my favorite by far is probably Bugs Bunny. I've lived with him for so long and his his attitude and the way he he reacts and bounces off of other characters and his sense of confidence i think that that just speaks to me that that truly just speaks to me and in my head bugs bunny's alive he's probably running around my backyard right now somewhere <laughs> we need more bugs bunnies in the world <laughs> yeah yeah is the world ready for more bugs bunnies the stories he told back in the day probably wouldn't fly today no. And that, you know, that's that's another thing to consider. The world is a different place now. And the 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 narratives that those early cartoons um, used to, to connect with would never be able to be done today. So it goes back to that story thing I told you. It's, it's a constant journey for a great story that connects. If if we look at artwork from i'll go back again to something from pixar and it's so beautifully done and so thought out and then you go and you look at something like the simpsons which is simpler a different style and then you go all the way down to south park or family guy which is even a little bit more cruder the one thing all of those ips tell you is that it's the story that carries through the, the connection that it makes with the people viewing it. It almost, in a weird way, doesn't matter how well it's drawn, but if the story is done correctly, um, it'll resonate. I'm a, I'm a, I'm 25 years has taught me that, and I'll take that to my grave. Well, there's a lot of content on YouTube right now that's very crudely drawn. But since the story is there, and it, you, you do have some great storytellers just kind of coming out of the woodwork these days, um, and even though it's just stick figures, it, the story really resonates, or it's, and it's funny, and they do get their point across. It, it's, it's very interesting, and it, it's, it, it really resonates what you say about story, and it goes right back to tribal times. The storytellers that sitting around the fire after exactly. a hunter, the storytellers were were a very important 
part of the community. And I think that these stories need to be told. And it, it, it's it, after tens of thousands of years, not much has changed in the human dynamic, has it? No, we still want to be told a good story. We want to be made to feel happy or sad or safe. And, you know, that's why the entertainment world is so big. People need that escape from everyday life sometimes. And, you know, it's just something you're absolutely right. It's it's a base need in the human condition to laugh and to cry and to ponder and to question and to emulate and mimic. That's just what human beings do. And to be able to take an IP and make those kind of connections and deliver it faithfully and and be true to it and to to just touch people that is the magic that is truly the magic very very interesting and i think it uh, think it it's very indicative of where we stand in the world today and where we've come from um so i'm just going to lead right into our final question um what do you think is the biggest challenge to the licensing business as it applies to your categories, to what you do, consumer products or whether or theme park, uh, theme park experience? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things, you know, one of them is oversaturation. Um, how many, how many pictures of a superhero do you really need to see before it starts to become background noise? How many, pictures of Mickey Mouse, you know, there are times we can feel overwhelmed by what's, what's projected to us out there. So it's about, I believe it's about managing those properties and being true and telling stories that are relevant and consistent with the brand and doing it in a way that doesn't appear to be sh shotgunning them all over the place. The other the other problem is, to your point, there are so much new content coming out, so much on YouTube, so much on any number of vehicles to reach human eyeballs, to, to cut the wheat through the chaff, so to speak, for that one IP that's really a golden nugget and to raise itself up and become relevant in a generation. That's really hard. So whereas a lot of new content is great to fill the airwaves, it also makes it much harder to, to come up with something truly unique and something truly, truly palatable to the masses. It's, it's really, really hard to do. Do you think that there's a possibility that with so much content being out there that the possibility that some really great content could be overlooked or it could be passed by just because of the sheer volume or do you think the cream will eventually rise to the top i i hope and pray that the cream eventually rises to the top it, it only takes one person to fall in love with something in today's day and age everything is so viral and it travel news travels so fast it really only takes a handful of people, and it starts with one, to really love something and spread the word. And regardless of what's out there in, in the digital world, it's still primarily people tell each other what they saw and what they liked. It's word of mouth. And so 
I have faith that good content, good IP, storytelling, that rises to the top. I just think it's a little bit tougher now. It's um, There's a lot of competition for that six minutes or five minutes on your cell phone or on your computer. It's It's a bit tougher, but I have faith, as you said earlier, there are great storytellers out there. There's wonderful artists out there. And I know for a fact there are people passionate and who bleed for this and believe in this out there that are going to slug every single day and keep plodding along until something gives. Um, there's a there's a hunger for it. All you have to do is look at the Comic-Cons of the world and all, all the different um conventions out there for different cartoons and, and role play people are dying for good stuff and i just i have great faith that it will come and it will rise to the top outstanding well i want to thank you so much for your time fred this has been a very enlightening and interesting conversation i know i personally have learned a lot and i hope that our audience will learn a lot as well um thank you so much well, it's been my pleasure, Mark, and uh, hopefully I'll get to talk to you again soon. And um, I'm going to keep slugging, and I'm going to keep true, and uh, I'll continue to carry the torch as well I know an awful lot of other dedicated people out there will to bring content to people that makes them feel. Perfect. Thank you so much, and have a great day, Fred. You too, Mark. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it. That was Fred Bode. If you like this podcast, be sure to like, share, comment, and tell your friends. And we will see you next week.